Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to begin with some uh, context from the, less, the gospel lesson. So prior to this exchange between Jesus and the chief priests and the elders, Jesus has entered Jerusalem triumphantly. If you go to the beginning of Matthew 21, you'll see this unfold, that Jesus enters triumphantly. Uh, we have the episode of Jesus turning over the tables in the temple and driving out the money changers. And, uh, and then the um, lesson of the cursed fig tree. And the, this gospel lesson today that we're reading is situated here in this final week of Jesus' life. <clears throat> At least his life before his crucifixion and uh, resurrection. So he has taught publicly. He has healed many people. He has raised the dead to life even. And he has rebuked the leaders of Israel. And he's called all people to repentance. And so he comes into the temple and the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Now, certainly, if the chief priests and the elders uh, and us, for that matter, are going to follow Jesus' teaching, then we ought to know by what, what authority does he have, by whom does he receive this authority. But this is really actually a very complicated question, and it requires a correct understanding of the Scriptures. And that is where the root of the problem lies, that the chief priests and the elders do not have a correct understanding of the Scriptures. So Jesus answered them by getting at that root of the problem because he said, the baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? See, the answer to that question is going to, is going to lead them into the truth or into disbelief. So they were trapped. If they answered that the baptism of John came from heaven, then they exposed themselves to the question, well, then why didn't you believe him? if it was from heaven. On the other hand, if they said, oh, well, it came from man, well, now they're afraid of the crowds because the crowds held that John was a prophet. They understood that John was a prophet. They didn't understand the significance of John the Baptist, that he was the one coming before, immediately before the Christ. But they did understand that he was a prophet and the the rulers and the chief priests were afraid of the people. So they were cowards They took the cowardly way out. They dodged the question. We don't know. We don't know where John was from. Although Jesus did not answer their question directly, he did answer their question in the parable that he told. Now, interestingly, this parable is like, this is like the extra section of the gospel that can be omitted, which is Mind-boggling. How could you omit this? It, it relates exactly to this. It should not be omitted. That's why we included it today in the lesson. And in the parable, there's two sons. One says no, but then he obeys after all. The other says yes, but then he disobeys. So which son did the will of the father? Actually, in both cases, there's disobedience and obedience. I mean, certainly... 
To say no to your father is not the right answer. Ever. (laughs) But no, I mean, that's still disobedient, although they did say, well, he eventually did the will of the father. So that was, uh, that one followed the will of the father. But in the case of the chief priests and the elders, we see disobedience and disobedience. Their answer was no, no. It was not yes, no, or no, yes. It was just no, no. Disobedience on top of disobedience. They would not believe John the baptizer who came preaching repentance, preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. John was, uh, as Matthew recorded in in his third chapter, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's John. John the baptizer pointed the people to the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament prophecies, the things that faithful Jews should have been looking forward to and eagerly anticipating. And that was John saying, all those things you've been looking forward to, well, that time is coming. It is here. Uh, John said, remember, uh, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. See, he was telling them that the Messiah is coming. But again, the chief priests and the elders would not listen to John. They would not hear that. They would not believe John's message. And ultimately, they refused to believe what the Old Testament scriptures taught This is a simple case of denying God's word as it was recorded in the Old Testament and then denying it as John came preaching it to them. They did not believe God's word. So then Jesus came teaching and preaching the kingdom of heaven is near. He came healing the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. He demonstrated that he is indeed that promised Messiah, the Christ, that John the baptizer was right in what he was preaching and that Jesus is that Messiah, that promised one. Yet the chief priests and the elders still would not believe. They wouldn't even believe Jesus, God incarnate, and they would not hear his words and believe. So they're disobedient twice. And therefore, Jesus makes this this stunning rebuke. I mean, to a good, pious person, especially, I mean, a good, pious Jew, but any good, pious person, to hear the tax collectors who steal from their own people and rob them, the prostitutes, they will enter into the kingdom of heaven before you do. That is a stunning rebuke. But that's what is coming to them because they have been twice disobedient with their no, no answer. But why is it that the prostitutes and the tax collectors would come in? Because they believed. They heard John the baptizer and they believed the message. They believed the Christ is coming. They believed that their salvation was coming in the Messiah. It's not in keeping of the law. We're reminded of that as October 1st. This, is, uh, this month is Reformation Day, at the end of the month. And we're reminded of this, that the, this essential and, and simple yet profound and basic teaching of the Scripture, that we are saved by faith apart from works of the law. 
And that is by God's grace that we receive this faith. We get no credit whatsoever for any of this. We, are, we continue, even as we exult in the joy of salvation, we continue to be humbled that it's a gift given to us. It's not something that we were able to muster up ourselves. So Jesus puts them in their place when he asks those questions. You know. And where do you stand, friends? Do you also hear the word and believe? And so doing, do you act in obedience? Do you act in perfect obedience to the will of your heavenly father? Did you hear the voice of John the baptizer calling you to repentance and heed his cry? Did you heed it perfectly? That's really the question. Did you heed his cry perfectly? Or did you turn away? Perhaps you were too busy. Perhaps you were disinterested. Maybe you just weren't really that concerned about it. Maybe, maybe you were too proud to see your need for repentance. Certainly can lay that at the feet of the chief priests and the elders. You've seen the miracles that Jesus performed. I mean, we all confess that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he's the Christ, that he is God incarnate. Does that lead you to better and more perfect obedience? Have you mortified the sins of the flesh completely and managed to muster yourself to that perfect sanctified life? After all, you confess that Jesus is Lord. So why then would any of you continue in any sin at all? Why would you do the thing you ought not do? And why would you leave undone the thing you ought not leave undone or the thing you ought to do? I know that your answer is that you, you, did, you did do all that because we all confess that together this morning. It's the first thing we do. We confess that we do not follow the law. Why? We confess that Jesus is Lord. Why don't we keep the law perfectly? And the answer is because we're sinners. Because we have sin. Sadly, there are many people who will take this lesson today and they'll leave it here. They'll leave this as some sort of object lesson about living the right life, living the Christian life. They conclude that Jesus uses his authority, that's all authority on heaven and earth, as you'll recall, that was given to Jesus, to rule over you as your Lord and your master. Thus, their message becomes something like, although it might not be presented exactly this directly, indirectly, the message is get busy doing and be obedient. Serve Christ and save yourself, thereby saving yourself by serving Christ. But the scripture teaches that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus used his authority, if you will, to serve you. We have this passage from Philippians where Paul says, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, a shameful death 
Now, to be sure, we should follow Christ's example of humility. And that's what Paul is writing to the, uh, to the Philippian uh, congregation. That's what he's writing to them, to follow this example of humility. But the point is, when you fall short, to go back to our gospel lesson, when you fall short and you don't follow that perfectly, remember that it is a broken and a contrite heart that God will not despise. That's actually what he desires. See, it wasn't an issue of the prostitutes were more sinful than the elders or the elders were more sinful than the prostitutes. It's an issue of you're all sinful. We can't escape that on this side of eternity. So what is the answer to that? The answer is we confess our sin and God who is faithful and just forgives our sin. See, that's a broken and a contrite heart. That's what God desires. And Jesus is saying these prostitutes and these tax collectors that you look down, they know they're sinners. And that's why they are saved. That's why they have salvation, because they recognize that. Christ Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth, and he has commissioned the church to carry this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. If you think that you have righteousness of your own, doesn't anyone think that? I, I kind of doubt it. I, I know you all, and you know, we, we all know each other. No, we, we know we don't have righteousness. But suppose there is someone out there who thinks that they have a righteousness of their own. Look in the mirror. You know, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror of God's law. Pull out the Ten Commandments and read them. Start with the first one. Is there ever a moment in your life, even just a fraction of second, a second, where you've put something else above God? If the answer is no, well, you're lying. And that's a violation of the commandments. If the answer is yes, well, then there's the, there's the commandments. If you've broken one commandment, then you're guilty of transgressing the entirety of God's law. But if you see, and this is, the, this is the point that Jesus is getting at, if you see that your righteousness falls short, if you see that your righteousness is not quite up to snuff, or maybe it's falls far short, that you've sinned, then believe the gospel. In Jesus Christ, all of your sins have been atoned for. In your baptism, all of those sins were washed away. And in this sacrament, as you come forward, you receive Christ's true body and blood. What? For the forgiveness of your sins. God in Christ continues to serve us even today as we come forward and receive from this altar. He continues to invite and he continues to give us forgiveness. In a, in a palpable way, such that we actually receive it and put it into our mouths and take that forgiveness in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So receive that and receive it with joy. Believe the word. That's what this comes down to. That's why our hymn of the day is what it is. Because that's ultimately our prayer, is that we'll believe the word And that by believing the word, we will be continually and everlastingly sanctified in God's word. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. That is our prayer.
peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.